Welcome to Noah Kagan Presents. What up, party people? It's your boy, Crab Cake, a.k.a. Rabbi Canlose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. I have a very special guest today. It is Chad Boyda, my business husband. <laughs> that technically means I'm the business wife, yes. We've been working together on AppSumo.com, our Groupon for Geeks business, and Sumo.com, our free tools to grow your email list for over seven years. And he was my previous customer at my last startup. In this episode, we have a lot of really interesting stories. First off, it's how Chad got into debt for over $100,000 starting a business. So he's got a lot of great tips on how to start and grow a business and what he learned from that. Being your own boss, how to go and do that, why feedback is critical, and how he plans to live till 400. There's a bunch of other meaty bits in there. Enjoy. All right, episode 4,000. We're in Tulum, Mexico, Playa del Carmen. I'm with Chad, my business partner. Neville, actually, I said, who's the most interesting person I should talk to next? And he chose you. Wow. You know that? No, I didn't. I mean, this is more of a self-serving thing, but I feel very fortunate that a lot of people have never left America. A few of the guys on the team never been on planes. Like, that's just crazy that I we mean, can provide I mean, them. We were repelled into a cave with water, and, like, I don't think anybody on the trip had done that before. <laughs> and, every, like, at least half the team was, like, terrified to do it. Yeah. But then, like, all these people stepped up, and then when other people saw them do it, they're like, oh, okay, I got to do yeah. it. And then everybody did it, and as soon as they hit the water, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, this is so cool. I'm so glad I did it. You that just got to awesome. push people a little bit out of their comfort zone. And then they're like, wow. Where's the balance between pushing someone and then letting them do it themselves? I think people do need to be pushed out of their comfort zone. They need a little bit of encouragement, a little bit, like, to know that, hey, everything's going to be okay, uh, even if you fail. And that's, like, a, a, a big thing for a lot of people is everyone's afraid to fail. They're afraid of, like, not knowing. They're just afraid of not having control. But you don't want to, like, make someone do something they don't inherently really, really don't want to do. And so it's, like, you got to figure out, like, where that, that break point is where, you know, you're not pushing them to doing something they inherently don't want to do. Yeah. But I think most people just need a little nudge. Do you have any stories for you that you, got, you push yourself? Or you got pushed? I pushed myself. So like last year, my, my New Year's resolution was like, I'm going to have as many uncomfortable conversations as I possibly can for the year. Conversations that you would normally try to avoid or bring up issues that you are like, you know, they make you nervous of like talking about them and stuff like that. Uh, and so like one of the main ones for me was like, I'm going to propose to my fiance. My, you know, my wife now. And, like, that's, like, a big conversation to have. Like, a little uh, bit, yeah. what if she says no? Like, what if things go wrong? But I just was very much, like, going to, like, focus on putting myself out of my comfort zone and just embrace that. And when I put that myself in that mindset, it became, like, really easy to ha have those conversations. I think, like, for a lot of people, that's, like, one of the hardest skill sets to have. Like, salespeople, they're like, oh, I love it. Like, that's what they thrive on. They live the, like, adrenaline of that. It's, like, the energy they build off of. But I think for almost everyone else, especially, like, me as a developer, like, all the programmers and developers I know, like, probably one of the best skills that they wish they had were, like, sales. Because they don't want to have uncomfortable conversations. And if someone taught them, like, how to do that, I think they would be much better off, like, across the board for everything in life. What's an easy, like, uncomfortable conversation that could, like, anyone could do? Asking small things. You know, like, when you don't like your food, sending it back and being comfortable, like, telling them, oh. like, I don't like it. 
Like, can you do something about it? Uh, most people are just like, when, you know, when the, when the waiter or waitress comes around, they're like, how's the food? You're like, oh, it's good. But you're like sitting there complaining at the same time. It's not good. You don't like it. Send it back. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, even before they bring it, I'm like, just go back. They're like, I didn't even bring your food yet. Well, that's, that's like a great quality of you. But I think for the majority <laughs> of people, most people don't want to like rock the boat. They don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations. One of the things I was thinking about is asking for someone for feedback. That can be very uncomfortable. So going to someone like a friend or your you know, colleague or your relationship and be like, hey, what is something I can improve on? With a stranger, it's probably easier. But um, with someone you're like really close to, like someone you love or family or a really oh. close friend, that can be brutal. If yeah. you're just like, hey, like, lay it on me. And those are the people you can accept it from the most, but that's when it probably stings the most too. I thought about this a lot where I, we're also meaner to the people we love the most. Like, it's yeah. easier to be like, fuck you, mom. I'm like, why am I so mean to her? But like this random girl, I'm just starting to talk to. I'm like, oh, you texted? Sure, I love you. <laughs> like, respond right away. Yeah. What is something feedback-wise you think I can work on professionally or personally? I've worked with a lot of people. I've had a lot of business partners. And you're one of the only people, like, well, not the only person, but one of the very few people in my life that, like, take feedback hmm. and actually take it yeah, and, and use it. Most people are just like, well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to like where we started with this, you're a developer. I would describe myself as like an entrepreneur, just because that's something that like I want to uh, encourage other people to do. And so I, I like spreading the gospel of that and basically just like be your own boss. That doesn't necessarily mean you got to go out and start your own company. Like you can work for someone else, but uh, just be your own boss and, and do something that you love doing and find your own independence in that and basically like not hate going to work every day how does someone like if they're hating their job every day or they don't have anything right now like how can they go explore that if they just take small steps to do something for themselves you know i i understand for a lot of people it's hard um some people don't have free time or they have a job that's very laborious and and they're very tired at the end of the day just to make sure that you, you take like small baby steps towards that that on the weekend or a couple, like an hour a day that you're working on something for yourself, like some project that will get you towards that independence. I think that's like really important steps to take. So in terms of this show, we talk about inflection points. If you had to pick five major inflection points in your life, it's a lot. That's a lot. Maybe you'll end up with three and we'll be ahead. <laughs> shoot, what is it? Shoot for the stars and maybe you'll end up at the moon? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I know off the top of my head immediately the big one. Marrying Jen? No. I mean, no, no, that's like a big inflection point in my life. That's not a big inflection point in my career. I'll start just start from the very beginning. I graduated high school early uh, at 16 and was supposed to start college and had this moment of clarity at 16, which obviously a 16-year-old know everything, uh, and just decided <laughs> uh, I was bored of school, which is kind of the primary motivation for me, like leaving school early to go on to college. But I felt like I didn't want to do homework and then get a grade and then like throw it away. I wanted to build something. I wanted to produce things uh, in the real world like people would actually use. And so I was like, I don't want more of the same thing. I don't want more school. I'm a strong believer in education, but I'm very like self-motivated to like go out and pursue my own education. And so I was like, fuck college. I'm just going to like start my own business. And so that was like a big moment in my career where I'm just like, I'm just going to do this. And you know what? I had no idea what I was doing. I had absolutely zero idea. 
I was very inspired by my mom, who is like an entrepreneur and just works for herself. But aside from that, I literally had no idea. Like, where do you learn that, especially when you're 16? Like, who teaches entrepreneurship? There wasn't internet like, blogs everywhere. There was the- barely internet back then. And so I just started working. And then so several years later, dot-com crashes. I, I live in the Bay Area. Shit hits the fan for basically everyone. And, and things are kind of like really depressed state like everyone around me that was very inspiring and energetic that was like motivating to me were like depressed and like everyone's out of business and everyone's like what's next and the future looked bleak and so i'm like i need to change the scenery so uh, at that moment i'm like hey i've been working for myself starting businesses no idea what i'm doing all these years maybe i should like actually learn how other people do it and so that was the first moment where I'm like, I should go work for someone else. And so I ended up taking a job in LA and moving there and like seeing how other people do it. So I did that for like a year. What did you learn from that? That company, terrible people, but I learned so much from them about price testing and A-B testing and marketing and just like really like iterating and getting things out fast, but really just like testing stuff, constantly testing. So instead of just putting something out there, like try it out, try two options, see which one try works two better. Try different options, try four different options, just keep testing things over and over. We would just optimize the shit out of stuff that way and just print money. It was like crazy how much money they were making. How much money were they making? We would take really, really cheap software that we would buy from Chinese developers for like three to $5,000, uh, repackage it up in our special like installer that I was in charge of, like, that I basically created for them. And we would make like a million plus a month selling the software that these developers were not making anything from. How'd you guys market it? Just ads or? A lot of Yahoo ads, a lot of ads. Banner, Google. Banner, everything. Yeah. Networks, all the, okay. We would just optimize the shit out of the pricing. Uh, We would do price test after price test after price test and just keep making more money each each time we ran a test. And so that was a, a big inflection point for me of how important testing is and how important just like those small things that you sometimes you don't even know what to expect you just have to try it and see which one's better because you don't you don't always have the right answer and that was like a big key moment was like you don't always have the right answer and be okay with that and be comfortable with that and, and trust the data so first off was like you had clarity at 16 that you want to start a business second time was like you're like let me try to learn from yeah. someone else and then from them you learned you should be testing things you should be testing things but i got tired of working for them really wanted to go back to do my own thing and then fast forward a few years, and I started a company where I took all the lessons I had learned and basically ignored them. <laughs> and, uh, Isn't that true for life? Yeah. You ever notice that? Yeah. Like you're like, oh, yeah, I tell everyone this advice, but I don't do it myself. Exactly. So I, I raised a bunch of money from several uh, great people I know, um, including my own money. And we spent a year building a product that we just assumed people would want. So what was the problem you were solving? Can you explain that? We weren't solving a problem. We were creating new problems. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that was the big issue. We just thought we had this amazing product. It was like kind of a, a, a social thing. <laughs> but not. It, but, but terrible. Uh, and so we, we spent a year building it. Uh, we had a bunch of different issues that ultimately made it fail, but... One of the key things was that we really were not solving someone's pain point. We were creating new pain points for them. And we spent a shit ton of money building this. And 
a year afterwards when basically we're out of capital and I'm literally making payroll on my own personal credit cards to make sure people are getting paid to the point where I go into like $100,000 of like personal debt. And that's when I said, I'm done. How'd you make that decision? I'm $100,000 in debt. <laughs> I guess it's pretty. <laughs> I'm looking at my credit card statements. I'm like, I can't. I probably, even though I was $100,000 in debt, it probably took me about, I would guess, about $300,000 to actually pay it off. Oh, God. Yeah. It took me 10 years. 10 years of, like, grinding. And that, that's a lesson you don't forget. What's that? Don't get debt? Well, one, don't, don't take stupid debt. That was my own fault because we built a product without caring about what people actually want. And right after that, after being like, okay, I'm done and, and cl- closing things down, I read uh, Steve Blank's The Four Steps to the Epiphany. And I was like, I'm an idiot. I've been doing this wrong all along. How did I not ever realize this? And that book really preaches like a customer-driven development cycle of like getting the product in customers' hands very early on and getting their feedback and then iterating on that. And I don't know why I never did that. And so that was a huge inflection point in my, in my career, being like, sometimes you, you, you think you have the right answer. And sometimes you do. Customers don't always know what they want. But it's important to like have those checks and balances and totally. test things. Going back to earlier, test things. And make sure that that's actually true. That was probably the biggest inflection point in my career where it's like, man, that's a very painful lesson. It took me a long time to pay that back. And every time I'm making those payments, I'm like, you don't forget that. Like I mentioned earlier, I didn't go to college. Like I felt like that was like my student <laughs> loan where uh, I went to like the school of hard knocks and like learned uh, yeah. the most valuable lesson in my life. Any other ones? Obviously, joining AppSumo and all the things that we've done together. It's, it's been um, lots and lots of lessons, but like small ones at a time that have built into like monumental uh, changes. But what we were just talking about is like, it's really interesting. I noticed this for myself. We do things in our personal, maybe in our personal life that we don't do in business and things in our business that we don't do in our personal. That would probably help. So I, was thinking, I said board, like we have a board. It's me and Chad and Andrew. <laughs> I mean, it's technically a board for our company, uh, but we meet monthly and we hold each other accountable. And then we talk about what's our goal for the year and how are things working? But how come like we don't like it's almost if someone said, oh, I do that in my relationship. You'd be like, oh, you're stupid. Like if you do it with like your girlfriend or wife or something like that, but it kind of sounds like, really smart talking about it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why anyone's ever mentioned this yeah. to me before, but I never uh, thought of it before either. Yeah. Oh, that's good I feel idea. like I should have a board. It's like, well, how, how, how's your marriage going? Well, I'm doing these three stupid things. My wife hates me for it, but how do I fix that? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe that's why I go to therapy, but it'd be cool to have, cause like there's something there about people who know you, Someone did something recently, and I'm like, ah, that's a real friend. Oh, JR. He calls me a good friend. Yo, yeah. JR, I, I was seeing a girl, and he's like, dude, stop. I was like, why? He's like, because it's not what you want. I was like, no, I like sex. He's like, no, it's not what you want. And I was like, I hate you, and I love you. Right? But it was great. Like, that was a real friend to me. That's a board right that's there. Board. Where they're thinking long term, not short term. I, I do want to highlight this because I think people always ask, like, oh, what's your life hack and productivity tips so with chad he has a really interesting organization system that i think is the it's op- very controversial people get very angry when i talk about it so. yeah and it's one of the most unique ones i've ever heard because it's it's uh i'll let you explain it so how do you how do you stay organized how have you accomplished so much it is the lack of an organizational system <laughs> uh no i'm a very 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 strong believer in uh memory and you use it or lose it 
and all the experts out there, which are probably smarter than me, but um, they all tell you write things down, take notes. Um, I don't do that. And I, I, I think... No notes. I don't no, take notes. No, I, I, I think that, like, by taking those things, you kind of, like, are using this crutch. And it's, like, you don't really remember them. You, you have them on paper, and so you can go reference that paper or your note app or whatever the hell you're using. And that's handy because you will make less mistakes. But also, like, I think if you just were forced to memorize it, you would remember it. And so I try to exercise my memory as much as possible and think that I have a very good memory as a hmm. result of that. But also, I strongly believe that like, important things float to the top. And so the fact that I don't write stuff down and I, I, I don't do that, like, if I were to forget something, if nothing re reminds me of that, then why the fuck did I write it down? Like, hmm. why, why do I care? It's not important. But these 10 other things that are screaming at me, like reminding me over and over and over that you got to get this shit done, like those are the things that I need to focus on. And so for me, it's like a natural like, prioritizer, like a filter of like what's really important of my time versus what's not. Interesting. Also with photos too, you don't do many photos. So if you ever see Chad taking a photo, that's a fucking special thing. Well, yeah. You take photos, you actually remember it less. They've done st studies on that where it's like, if you take a photo of something that you're doing, you actually remember it less. It's kind of funny. It's, we're kind of lying to ourselves. But when you remember something, you remember like the highlights of it, like the good parts. I think if you look at a photo, you're like, oh, yeah, like, oh, it's, it's not as great as I remember it. But if you just remember it, it's always great. You don't have any proof otherwise. So, <laughs> Never thought about that. Is there anything you've ever forgotten that you're like, shit, I really wish I would remember that? For some reason, some fault in my memory. I can't remember people's names. I can remember literally everything else. I can remember, uh, it's not even just people's names. I can't remember names in general. Hmm. So like I could remember every word to a song, but not the name of it. I could remember like crazy facts about someone, but not their name. And that's very frustrating at times. Is there anything I, I don't know about you that you'd be like, you think I'd be surprised to know? Because I've been, you know, we've been working together six years. And I've known him eight. I, I got nothing. Yeah, I've gone through a good amount together. Slept on each other's couches back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my aunt's basement, your couch in LA. Uh, when you had the sob. <laughs> yeah, why does everyone laugh at that? I had a sob nine five SC. That had turbo. I love that car. Uh, you laugh at it. My wife laughs at. It. Everybody laughs at that car. I don't know why, why do we laugh at sobs? I only think because I think of Seinfeld. You know what? Buying it, I didn't. I never knew that Seinfeld had a sob. It wasn't until after I owned a sob that people were like, "Oh, that's Seinfeld car." I'm like, "What?" All right. Who would you want me to interview? Who's someone that would be like, oh, it'd be cool to learn more about them? That's a tough one. Um, I, ha I hate meeting my heroes. Huh. I'm always disappointed. Huh. Uh, it's not that I'm disappointed. They're actually great people, but... Who have you met that you're disappointed? Literally every person that I put on a pedestal and I meet them, I'm like, oh, you're actually like pretty normal, which is, which is good. Yeah. They're good people. Um, it's not that they're, they're stupid. But they're normal. Anything, but they're normal. It's, it's always funny with marriage. It's like, you're married, oh, one's a kid. When you have kids, one next kid. And I guess after kids, what do you do? When are you dying? I don't know what you ask. I'm never dying, so that's not happening. That's a whole, something else. Yeah, that's a whole... You know what? It's funny, I've thought about that. We're like, oh, yeah, well, when I die, life is short. I was like, why do we accept it? It's not that I think I'll live forever, necessarily, but I'm like, why do we even accept that we have to die? That's the very reason that I... I, I, I mean, statistically, I'm probably going to die, but I, I tell people I, I don't want to die, and my goal is to live to 400, 
will I? I don't know. But the point of me saying that I, I plan to is hmm. to sort of challenge the status quo of the acceptance of dying. And actually, like, I've met so many people that I tell, like, I want to live to be 400, and they get fucking pissed. They get angry. Like, that generally offends them for some mm-hmm. reason. And I, I like pushing that button and challenging it. Just yeah, because it's the way of thinking. I think the fact that we accept it is, like, crazy. Like, we, there's so many diseases that point. people die of, and we are all very frustrated and angry about them. We want to find cures. But death is the most common killer of the everyone. Number one killer of everyone. <laughs> the number one killer of everyone. And we just accept it. Like, why do we accept it? Because it's the way it, the way it is. And I think like in business, like certain things, we're like, why, well, why do we do this? Well, because we've always done it that way. It's well, what Eamon just did downstairs. He, we were talking about, uh, Jamie asked, are you an introvert or an extrovert? And people always have an answer. Like, I'm this. And Eamon's like, I'm neither. He's like, I don't believe in that. <laughs> I don't believe it. And I was like, what a great fucking, I'm going to use that. I was like, Good. it's a great answer. So do you do anything now to help live to 400? Because I think that's probably what, what I'm curious about. I, I do do a few things. I, I don't think there's anything actually out there on the market right now that's like genuinely going to help you. But I do take a lot of glycine supplements. I think that will, will help. It's one of the few things that I've studied a lot and find that the results are, are actually there. Final question. Chad picked Skechers stock. I made fun of him for years. He made a lot of money. Stock went down. I made fun of him more. He said he already sold it. I was bitter, and I bought Shake Shack stock, and it went down. <laughs> then I bought Chipotle stock, it went down. What should we do with our finances today? Amazon. Did you buy it yet? I'm going to. When are you waiting for? I don't know. Can you let me know when you buy it? Yeah. All right. We don't give financial advice. Yeah, just do whatever the fuck you want. Do I mean, whatever you want. If you want, I'll probably buy it. It'll go down. But I do own Amazon right now. Uh, Amazon. AWS is, yeah, it'll be the first trillion dollar company. Dude, that's crazy. Uh, don't hold me accountable to that. All right. High five up top. You're awesome. Love you, dude. Chad Boyda. Chad, at Chad Boyda. Sumami.com. CTO. Badass. Out. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. If you love the show, I want you to text a friend right now that you love them. Yo, dog, let's go have a barbecue. <laughs> if you have any feedback or questions or suggestions or taco recipes, whatever it is, give me feedback. I love hearing from it. You can tweet me at Noah Kagan, N-O-A-H-K-A-G-A-N. Have a special day. Who's your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? 